Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today as your people. We ask that you'd speak to us. We come to hear the story that we're invited to be a part of. We come reminded of the people before us who waited for your coming. And now as we wait, be with us. We ask all this, Lord, in your son's name, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Did you know uh, there's a new study that came out from APM Research Lab? Now, I never heard of this lab, but uh, a reputable source quoted this, so I trust that it's at least a decent place to look at research. And what this lab did was they did a study and they found that over half of American adults are extremely worried about the country in 2022. So they gave people an array of choices and 55% of people said they're extremely worried. And then they tried to figure out more what those worries were about. And the top three were the pandemic, politics, and the economy. Now I'm sure if we tried, we could all think about other ways that we could be worried in 2022. A potential world war. I mean, I don't know how close we are to that, but it's still in our mind. We know there's things happening that could easily escalate. We know about mass droughts around the world and other changes in weather patterns that maybe we don't pay that close attention to, but sometimes we wonder, is something happening? The list could go on. There's a lot to be worried about in 2022. And it's so easy that over half of Americans say, yes, I am extremely worried about the future of our country and the life that I live. I'm worried that maybe the, the future is not as bright as the past. So where are you? Are you on the side of a bright future or are you concerned? We can't help but be worried about things sometimes. As we think about what's going on around us and the kinds of things that are happening in the world, we can't help but be worried. So today on the third Sunday of Advent, what we get to do is we get to step right into that worry. We get to take it head on. We get to think about it. We, gotta, we get to think about the story of Jesus and how the story of Jesus combats and helps us think about the future in worry. And what we're going to see is that the story of Jesus, really, it just takes the legs out of worry. So if you take out your Bible today and turn to Matthew chapter 11, this is the passage that uh, is appointed for today for the gospel reading, Matthew chapter 11. And that is starting, it's, uh, it starts on page here. See, Carrie, when she does this, she always looks it up ahead of time. I just have to look it up here, right, right in front of everybody. I should do what she does and look it up ahead of time. Matthew 11.2. So that starts on page 1388 in here. Of course, it's going to be on the screen. And if you do have a Bible at home, I would encourage you always to bring that one and to have it to, to reference. Matthew 11.22. But before we jump into Matthew, we need to understand that even within today's readings, there's a story being told. And we have to understand this story if we're going to understand the third Sunday of Advent, and specifically this pink candle. 
Because this pink candle is unique. And it is a special day within the four. It's supposed to be the day with the most celebration and the most joy, you know, given the name. Or the most rejoicing. So we need to understand this story. In the story of Advent, it starts in exile. For all of us, we're in exile. That's the word the Bible uses to talk about our relationship with God and our relationship with other humans in the world we're in. We are exiled. We are in this place of separation and in need of being saved. So that's where Advent starts. It starts in exile. And also for the Jewish people, if we think about the story of the Jewish people, it starts in exile. After years of disobedience, the Jewish people find themselves overtaken by their enemies in exile. And in the midst of this exile and enslavement, the people had this thread of hope. They had this idea in their heads they couldn't forget. And so they talked about it, they wrote about it, their prophets prophesied about it. It was everywhere in their mind. Even though we are at the bottom, God is going to save us, they said. And this is the story of Advent. That there is going to be someone coming to save God's people. So if you feel enslaved to something in your own life, to your own circumstances, the answer to that is Jesus coming. And if we think about this despair and the future worry that so many humans and so many Americans feel, the answer to that is Jesus. <clears throat> he alone can be the answer to this. And so when we think about the answer to these problems, the story of Advent invites us right into that. Because what Advent says is there's only one answer to worry and despair and darkness and enslavement, and that answer is God. Specifically, as we look at this passage from Isaiah, we're only going to look at a couple of verses from it again. But here, we got to look at a couple just to get an idea. So, the desert and the parched land will be glad. So think about it. Deserts are places where there's no water. It's not a good place to be. But this will be glad. Wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. And then there's this call, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fertile hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come, he will come with vengeance. This is the hope. And with divine retribution, he will come to save you. So the Jewish people are in this place of exile. And they knew their only hope was God. And they knew that God would come. And so they have these passages like this in Isaiah where they talk about, yes, we are in this deep despair. But a day is coming, we're going to rejoice because our God is going to save us. And not only will we rejoice, but the land of our people will rejoice because God is coming to not just redeem us, but all of creation. And so this is the hope of Advent and the coming of Jesus. So when we celebrate Jesus' birth, this is the awaited return. Because God alone can make things right. 
He alone can save the world and he promised that he would. So we can look at our life and we can see lots of reasons to worry and we can see lots of real problems in our life. And we can say we have hope because Jesus is coming. So Evan, as Sharon said earlier, is about that weight. It's about that weight, but it's also about reflecting upon what happens when he comes. And so today is that day where we really get to think about when Jesus comes, what does it mean? So we're almost halfway to Christmas. And that means that we start to talk about Jesus coming. And so in our Matthew reading, we get to think a little bit about what it means for Jesus to be here. This is from Matthew 11, chapter 2. When John was in prison, or when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? So John, remember he'd already last week prophesied about Jesus and said that this is the one who we're waiting for. The one Isaiah talks about. Remember, John plugged Jesus into that Isaiah person. And now we hear about Isaiah talking about when this person comes, there will be a time when the world will be made right again. And, I, and then, so John's like, is Jesus that person? And so he sends his, his people to ask Jesus, are you it? I thought you were, but maybe I was wrong. And this is Jesus' response. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. So John says, okay, you ask him the Messiah, just tell him the stuff that's happening. And this is what he says. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So what Jesus is doing right here is he's actually quoting that passage from Isaiah. I didn't, I'm not, not going to read that part again, but if we think about whenever Carrie read it earlier today in the middle part of chapter 35, Jesus is directly quoting some of the things that are supposed to happen when the Messiah comes. So John asks, Jesus, are you the Messiah? Jesus says, just tell John what's happening. The people who need rescue are being rescued. The people who deeply needed hope and deeply trusted that God would rescue them, they are being saved. So Jesus says, yes, I am the Messiah. The lame are walking, the sick are healed, the dead are raised. I'm coming to make things right. Last week we talked about justice and what we said was with justice we have to repent. But this week we're talking about what justice means. And what justice means is that God makes things right. We think about justice as a justice system. You know, someone breaks a law and they need to have retribution or there's a fine involved or some sort of sentence. Now that is part of justice. But justice is more recognizing that certain people's lives are not what we would say is the ideal circumstances. But Jesus comes to make those things right. That's what justice is about. So now I'm going to do something I don't normally do. 
I have my sermon ordered a certain way, so you're going to see me actually edit it on the fly. And the reason I say that is because I have a passage I want to read now, but it's way later in the slideshow. So I'm going to go to it, and we're going to look at it. So what we're thinking about right now is, okay, Jesus is coming, and he is going to make the world right. So then the question becomes, well, what is our response to that? And this is where we go back to this passage from Isaiah, a little bit here at the end. And this is what we hear, the very end of Isaiah 35. But only the redeemed will walk there. This is talking about going to the place of God. And those the Lord has rescued will be turned. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. So this is this image of what's going to happen. But notice what words are used. Joy. Rejoicing. Today is the day of rejoicing. And so we ask the question, okay, so Jesus comes to make things right. Well, what is our response? Our response, response is rejoicing. We rejoice because Jesus came to make things right. So we look at a world where there's so many things that are messed up. And the answer is Jesus. That's why he came. So we rejoice because Jesus came to make things right. Now remember, Advent is about anticipating his birth and his return. So what we need to remember is we're still waiting for that final moment when things are made fully right. We're still waiting. But we, we wait with joy because we know that God will come. As Sharon also said earlier for the kids, joy isn't necessarily about happiness. It's different. Because joy is this deep idea of knowing that God will keep his promise he will fulfill what he said he's going to do. And so we can know and we can cultivate a perspective of joy. It's not something that's easy to do. It's something over time that we develop. But it's about trusting God and knowing that he will make the world right. And we rejoice because Jesus came to make things right. But not everyone was sure as John was. So Jesus has to, to reassure him. So let's go back now to where we were at before. So Jesus responds to John, and he says this. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began speaking to the crowd about John. What, do you go out, or what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who were fine clothes are king in king's palaces. That, then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of, him, of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of the women, born of women, there was not, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So John's a little bit uncertain of Jesus. We can ask that question too. If Jesus is going to come to make the world right, where is he? Jesus reassures us, yes, John got me right. John is the guy from Isaiah that's going to talk about this king coming to make the world right again. It is me. And then John says something really powerful. He says, you know what? John the Baptist is the greatest person to come, but whoever is least in the kingdom is greater than he. So we don't have to be like John. We just have to trust. 
Even just an inkling. I know it's not easy when we think about the future and all this worry. But that's what we get to think about here in a couple weeks when we celebrate Jesus' birth. We get to celebrate that the promise was kept and that the Savior came and the appointed one of God. We're all a part of this same story that John and Jesus tell. But we have to wait, and this is the challenge. I understand. We have to wait. We're waiting and waiting and waiting. That's what Advent's about. And if you remember, we talked about waiting being watching. We're waiting, which means we're watching. We're watching for Jesus to come back. So how do we watch? What are we supposed to do? We know that we're supposed to have joy, but is there anything else? And this is what John or James comes in to say. Just a little helpful note. He says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently wait for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. John, or James gets it. It's not easy. But we have to wait. Just like the farmer waits for the land to come. Just like we wait for that exciting moment that we can't wait for through all, for all, all week, whatever that is. Maybe it's the weekend. Maybe it's a big game. Maybe it's a fun dinner. You're getting together with somebody and you can't wait. But we have to wait. So we know Jesus is coming and we rejoice. And we rejoice because he came to make things right. But Advent also reminds us to be patient. He's going to come make the world right and his arrival will be here. But we need to be patient while we wait. And one way we're patient is we don't try to predict when he's going to come. We simply wait patiently. We watch and we live the way of Jesus. And the more that we do that, the more we can cultivate joy. And with that joy, we're able to rejoice because Jesus came to make things right. So we think about this worry that Americans have and the worry that you have, the uncertainty and the deep pain, the challenges, whether it's the loss of someone you've loved and it's never fun afterwards when you think about them, whether it's the challenges of your body, maybe you have some sort of um, problem that maybe we don't even see, some sort of chronic illness that people can't see that affects you every day. And you have to live with that. The list could go on and on and on. We're waiting for Jesus to come. But as we wait, we watch, we get to cultivate joy with our patience because we know and we can rejoice because Jesus came to make things right. So he will make those things right. So the answer for the world's worry is Jesus. The answer for the problems of the world is Christmas Day when Jesus comes to make things right. So the uncertainty of the future, it doesn't need to overpower us. It doesn't need to cripple us. We're going to sometimes think about it. We need to be wise and we need to plan. I'm not telling you to just be happy-go-lucky. Be wise. Be prudent. But recognize that we really aren't in control. But the one who is in control already came to make things right. And while we rejoice, we're reminded to be patient. And we still have one more Sunday 
before we celebrate Christmas, and we have two full weeks of, of waiting. And while we wait, we need to be patient. But even as we're patient, we rejoice because Jesus came to make things right. The pink candle, all about that joy and rejoicing. May it be our heart's song. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. And we hear about this hope that can turn into joy, that requires patience. So many different verbs, so many things to work out. Help us, Lord. Help us to just trust your promise. That's the great place for us to start. Just like your people heard those promises in Isaiah and believed and trusted and hoped that you would come to save them. And now we know you've done that first work and now we're waiting for the return. May we follow their example and may we trust and hope. May you then cultivate in our hearts joy and may you help us be patient as we know that you will come to make things right. Be with us, Lord, this week as we wait. Help us to live the way of Jesus, to follow your Son, to strive always to serve and love others, and to patiently cultivate our soul and our own spiritual formation through daily prayer and Bible reading and time spent with you as we learn to wait and watch patiently. We ask this, Lord, in your Son's name, who lives, and reigns with, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.